0: Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 4, Sons of the Harpy, is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Feedback Show, answering your voicemails and questions here. I'm Josh Wigler. Rob Cesarino is not with us this week, but we have somebody amazing. We have somebody amazing in his place. I have uh, ordered the Faith Militant to apprehend this man and bring him to our podcast. Everybody, welcome back. Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio how you doing? Josh, I was just practicing my sword play
1: in the in the in the outside of my castle year and then these guys in black showed up. What's going on? I
0: need you. You need me. I need you. I need Why you. did they have these things carved in their foreheads, Josh? Because I need them to do that. They look really cool, don't they? I know. No, it was it's kind of decorative. terrifying. It's just decorative. There's, oh,
1: yeah. Uh, famous it. last words. <laughs>
0: is that? Are those famous last words? It's just decorative? Who said <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> that before they like fell off a ladder while they were painting a chapel?
1: Exactly. There I don't you know. Go. Probably I'm, lots of people.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, but this podcast is more than decorative. Antonio, your participation is crucial. We need you here. We need you here this week. We need to talk about Game of Thrones so much is happening this season crazy season Um, and I know that you you're one of the people who's read the book so we're going to tread lightly uh, as someone once said uh, in this podcast here how are you enjoying the season based on that perspective? I talked about it a little bit on Sunday night when we did the live show. I talked about how this is definitely the season that has moved away from the books. Everybody is on more or less, not quite equal footing, but by the end of the season, we probably will be. Uh, and we are inching ever closer to that moment. How have you been enjoying the season? Tell me, tell me everything. I need- I'm
1: need. i going to show you a big bud here, Josh. So well, so the situation is basically that uh, I was
0: waiting for you to drop
1: trout. Oh, we're yeah, we're live on Skype video. This yeah. is uh, unfortunately an audio only podcast, but no, I. So here's the deal. Game of Thrones is still one of my favorite shows on TV. I I eagerly await the moments when it's going to show up on Sunday night. When the episodes leaked, I did not watch ahead because I really wanted to have something to look forward to. Great choice. Like I had with Game of Thrones. Not watching ahead.
0: Yeah, great choice. I think the ending of this past episode with everything with Sir Barristan and all that stuff, I would have had a really difficult time waiting like three or four more weeks for the next episode.
1: Yeah, I agree, and and I think that it's. Uh, I'm not sure it was by design, but it worked out really well as a cliffhanger, I guess, for those who did. But I didn't want to hang over many cliffs, man. We just spent an entire year waiting for more Game of Thrones, and like I said, I love this. I love this show, but I also love the books, and it's really hard, I think, to kind of adjust my mindset into realizing that these two things are two very separate entities. And I think where I get concerned is is the is the places in which they're not. And, and so Barristan Selmy is. Is killed here We know he's still alive In the books As you and Rob Talked about on Sunday night Does that mean that Barristan Selmy Is going to die in the books And we've just been Spoiled on that If so Maybe not a huge deal But little things like that Could end up being Big things uh, That we get spoiled on So the character changes The things that are going on They're not really Affecting me In general But in specific I'm worried that they could So it's, There's a little, little Trepidation in my views Of Game of Thrones So far this year But uh, I'm still enjoying it
0: Well I, I think What's interesting about it is it does it you know you you and I Antonio we used to be able to talk about Game of Thrones like knowing what's about to come knowing what's ahead and now not necessarily true certain storylines seem to be sticking to the books many others are very much not so this has been a, a difficult season to predict for me in a lot of ways which is exciting for me but i i know for a lot of people it can be alarming uh and i i totally get that i totally respect that uh we'll we'll dive into that in a big way on the book club show this week with Terry Schwartz um, um, for for the purposes of this podcast, I think that we will be able to toe the line and talk about only the show here. Um, it was it was a crazy night, regardless of, of a lot of that stuff that happened in the books. Um, yeah. For sure. For sure.
1: 100%. And I'm, I'm now basically compartmentalizing myself such that have I really only analyze stuff in the context of the show because I don't want to. I came into this show as a book reader and as such, I want to continue to enjoy what's to come in this series with the book mindset. I'm a big fan of the Harry Potter series. I wouldn't oh, have gone well. and seen, I wouldn't have gone and seen a Harry Potter movie before I read the book. I wouldn't have wanted the story quote unquote spoiled by the movie. I would have wanted to continue to experience experience it in the book. So it's only through compartmentalizing that I'm going to be able to preserve these experiences, I feel like. So yeah, absolutely on this show, no problem just evaluating the show as the show. The book club is for the book spoilers and the real discussions about the changes from the books. Yeah,
0: so we'll get into that there. Uh, This week, we've got a Button, as you said earlier, butts. We've got a butt ton. A big butt. Big, a big butt ton of voicemails to go through this week. It's really. A BBT. Exciting. That's a BBT. Yeah, we got, we got a BBT. OVM. We got a BBT of VM going on here on the Game of Thrones feedback show. Of course, you guys can send in your questions in a myriad of ways. You can send them to us through our voicemails. Uh, you can do postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail and record that way. You can send questions in by email, GOT at postshowrecaps.com. You can tweet them out hour away you can post them in comment sections there's so many ways to do it but we got a lot of great stuff from you guys this week it's kind smoke of like, signals can we do smoke signals We can try smoke signals i don't know if i'll be able to see them where where i am um where are you right now are you in upstate new york the, hey hey, hey, hey. Oh, sorry no I just just asking I know you're in New York yeah I've assembled the Avengers no I'm uh <laughs> I'm I'm far away I'm far away from where you can send me some smoke signals. you're not allowed to say Avengers yeah, assemble right, yeah. but let's let's talk about um let's talk about what's going on King's Landing I don't know if they can see smoke signals in there and uh let's cue up our first voicemail of the day let's cue one up from Umberto Umberto take it away
2: hey Josh and Antonio one of my favorite duels ever um how you guys doing I'm glad that you guys are doing the feedback show. Uh, my question, I guess, this way goes towards uh, Marjorie. So, what's gonna happen
1: there? Is she gonna go to get Lady Elena? Is she going to to call home? Is she just gonna send a raven, or is she just gonna live? I'm sure Tommy
0: is not gonna be happy. Discuss. Disgust (laughs) Disgust Uh, I felt like That was like Was uh, was he like shouting Disgust As in we disgust him
1: (laughs) Disgust No he said We were one of his Favorite duos he
0: said You're one of his I thought he said You are one of his Favorite dudes Oh well maybe That's true Was he saying We're his favorite duo I thought maybe He was saying Disgust at me
1: well, let's hit the, hit the rewind button about 30 seconds here, and we'll, we'll wait, and you guys no, can no, figure no. that
0: out. Uh, but no, Umberto, also one of my favorite dudes, and oh, if he Mirto. was paired with just about anybody, would be one of my favorite duos. Yes, um, absolutely. What do, you, so, what do you think of this question from Umberto, asking about um, you know, what's going on in King's Landing this week? We have all of this drama with the Faith Militant. The Faith Militant is reestablished by Cersei. They are sent off. They arrest Sir Loras, among many other people. Some people, it's like they just straight-up murdered. Yeah, I mean, it is this is like kill the, people.
1: Yeah, there's some they're, they're putting the militant and faith militant for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Marjorie, this is like the first time we kind of see her coming from a position of little power. Um, you know, we we saw her the first time we met her. She's betrothed to Renly Baratheon at that point. She, uh, from there, you know, it's it's all you know. Moving up the ladder, the, you know, the chaos is a ladder. She gets, she gets to where she is now. But this is like the first time that we've really seen her not fully able to get her way. It's an, it's an unusual look for Marjorie
1: it is but it's also perhaps a dangerous one right because it's not exactly clear to Umberto's question how she's going to respond and really a lot of the options are not necessarily good we saw earlier this season when she was talking to Loras about Cersei being there uh, that she might not have to stick around and so at that time maybe Marjorie's plan was simply to manipulate Tommen against Cersei and try to get her out of King's Landing that plan has seemingly been fairly thwarted so I don't know exactly where Marjorie's is going to go from here. I mean, if you ask me what I want, I'd love to see the Queen of Thorns back, right?
0: Yeah, I would love to see the Queen of Thorns back.
1: Yeah, that would be fantastic. I, I do think, though, Anna in terms Rigg
0: of, was, has been so great on this show, and it's been a real bummer that we haven't seen her in a while.
1: Yeah, and I, but I, I will say, in terms of her kind of, like, icy cold war against Cersei, just with comments and with the way she was behaving, I mean, she freaking killed Joffrey for crying out loud. But I think with all of that, I'm not sure what she adds to the mix, and more to the point Point. I gotta say, Cersei's kind of she seems to be headed on a path where she's gonna get in her own way pretty heavily here. She's putting her son in some awfully precarious positions. I think she's maybe created a monster with this faith militant. Uh, and I and I'm just talking about the scene where Tommen shows up to talk to the the Sparrow, the High Sparrow, and Tommen's getting heckled by the people that are standing around, and
0: yeah, he's getting yelled pastor, at. Yeah, this is not good.
1: This is not good. I don't know what Cersei's endgame is here, and you add into the mix the fact that she's bringing Littlefinger back sending mace tyrell out this is the sort of thing i almost feel like it's like okay you guys have talked about this a lot But it's, uh, Tywin is gone and The power vacuum is not being Filled by Kevin or any other uh, Of the older uh, Lannisters This is now Cersei's kind of show And I- I'm not sure that this season isn't Really telling us, like, this is It's getting out of hand pretty quickly So Marjorie might just need to sit back and watch the chaos Unfold.
0: So this is um, a question From Dave, sp- stemming on all of this stuff About the Faith Militant. Dave had asked Does Cersei really believe in the cause Of the Faith Militant? Has she been converted into their extremist beliefs or is she just using them as a pawn for something bigger for me it's pretty clear on the show it's the latter uh, yes. that she's she's using these people she is arming these people not because there is any sort of like religious spiritual reawakening going on with cersei i think we would see a little bit more of that authentically if that was happening um she's really kind of just up to her old cersei tricks except that she's really turning it up to 11 um and there's a reason why the dial only goes up to 10
1: <laughs> yeah unless you're of course in uh, in spinal tap right. and i guess if you're in spinal tap, they Go to eleven, but yes, indeed, but but I don't know. I mean, but these go to eleven, but I don't. What I don't know is like so. I'd like your opinion on this. Is she is she really going off? Like in other words is there a grand plan in play here by Cersei or is she really kind of not looking past the end of her nose? Uh, and maybe she in fact is cutting off that nose to spite her face. Like, is she putting herself in a worse position by sending away people who are qualified or who that are, who are involved and not really involving them? Uh, and by arming or, or dealing with people who she doesn't really know. I mean, what does she know about the faith militant or the high Sparrow? She wants to use them to get at Laura's Tyrell. I just thought it was really interesting in this episode She said there's a sinner right here, you know, and and they're covered up with power and all this. And I'm like, she's talking about herself. Like, what the heck's going on here? Talking about her son. Yeah. She's talking about her son. Like, who is she? boy. I mean, she's talking about Loras Tyrell ostensibly, but yeah. the fact that it was so open that it could have applied to her very easily, or anyone associated with her sort of lineage, I think that it's very, very dangerous. And I, I'm where the, the big thing for me, and I think I was in the chat room on the first show that you guys were talking about the the first after show. Or actually, I was live on that show. We're I live apologize. On that show shit. I don't know where I am from day to day, Josh. <laughs> Who am I? Yeah, what is going on? What is this world twisted? Yeah. What I would say is that Lance Lannister he knows like he knows he is a huge 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 loose end for everything that happened with king robert and for all of cersei's specific sins and he is getting more fervent and insane by the day dude just went full manson you never go full manson
0: yeah i'm a loose end for your specific sins as well I don't know what you're talking about. It, but you can't reach me where I am. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. You're just not going to admit to it on the show. Um, but no, I, th- I think that all of these points about Cersei, I think they're all fair. I think they're, I think they're all true. I think that she just hates the Tyrells so much, and specifically Marjorie. And I think that like, it's just like anything to crush Marjorie Tyrell right now. It's, it's, very, it's like high-powered mean girls. Yes,
1: I, I think that's right. And as Rob pointed out, Maggie the Toad, Maggie the Amphibian, uh, Maggie the Frog... Yes, I think her being there at the beginning of the season is is not by accident. I think that getting this sort of perspective into what might have been driving some of Cersei's decisions and what might continue to drive them, vis a vis the discussion of a younger, prettier queen or or anything like that, Marjorie is the queen. That happened. That like happened. not only not only was it formed, it was consummated. And we and, and it was uncomfortable to know that that happened, but we did find out. So that is that's that's happened. She's, Cersei's not the queen anymore. So I think that knowing about that prophecy and knowing what she learned even when she was young, uh, maybe, maybe in fact really uh, really informing what we're seeing, these actions that are happening right now. But I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that any time in the situations like this that you behave seemingly out of emotion and not out of any kind of plan or proactive kind of work, and if it's just an emotional reaction, that's when you really expose yourself the most. And I think that that's really, really dangerous situation for Cersei to put herself in if it's purely out of emotion. That said, she's got things like Kyburn preparing who knows what on his tables. She's got things like the like Littlefinger returning to King's Landing for an unspoken reason. I do think the fact that these are Littlefinger's brothels that they keep invading. All right. Uh, it's, yeah. not, it's not to be
0: lost. That's a that's a great lead into what we want to talk about next. We got a, a voicemail in from Andrew DeJoseph, who had a lot of questions about Littlefinger and how Littlefinger has been factoring into some of this violence we've been seeing in King's Landing li- lately.
1: Let's do it. Hi, Josh and Antonio. Andrew DeJoseph here. Two-part question about Littlefinger. First, it can't be a coincidence that for the second week in a row, we have an incident in Littlefinger's brothel where the Sparrows are specifically told, this establishment belongs to Lord Peter Baelish. How do you see this playing out when the Faith Militant finds out that the notorious brothel owner is en route to King's Landing? Secondly... Do you think that Cersei will be at all suspicious of how long it is taking Baelish to get to King's Landing? After all, she thinks he's coming from the Eyrie, which is a significantly shorter trip. Thanks, guys.
0: So what do you make of all of this with with Littlefinger? Do you think Littlefinger is going back into a situation that's not going to be great? Or do you think Cersei needs him? Do you think Cersei's going to be suspicious of what he's up to? I've said on the podcast that uh, Littlefinger, like, don't you think Littlefinger's he's he's the guy with the plan? Like, is he gonna go back to King's Landing unless he's gonna be able to talk his way through it? Or am I overestimating Littlefinger? Is that possible as well?
1: Well, I mean there's a lot going on, right? Because we were just talking about how it seems like Cersei really doesn't have have a plan, and she's acting emotionally. On the other hand, there is this thing with Littlefinger, and maybe we should be giving Cersei a little bit more credit. Maybe there's something going on with the decisions that she's making that are specifically targeted. And we don't really know what the contents of the letter that was sent to Littlefinger were. We do know that it was so sensitive that Roose Bolton immediately felt like he needed to see the reply that Littlefinger sent, but we don't know exactly what was in that letter. But Cersei is not, she is not unintelligent. She, she knows what she's doing. So maybe... It, 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 on the flip side of her acting emotionally We have this perhaps campaign To, to target Littlefinger that his brothels Are involved and in, to turn the faith militant Against him as well On the flip side of that you said Peter Baelish Man with a plan but it's also possible That he has blind spots we've talked about How Sansa might be one of those Blind spots it just strikes me As so odd that he's willing to just Maroon this blind spot of his This person he seemingly cares about In in Winterfell with The worst people in the north and our Arguably, some of the worst people in Westeros right now, and I just can't believe that he'd be willing to do that. Uh, so either he's, he
0: feels like he can walk back,
1: right, right. Either he's dumb, or he he feels like he's got a bigger plan in play. And Littlefinger has not proven himself to be a dumb guy. So uh, with both, and neither has Cersei. So with both of these characters, I think you could read their actions one way, which is that they're sort of irrational and they're not behaving the way we would typically expect them to. Or you could read them like, okay, they probably have a larger plan in play. Let's see how it works. I think those are really good observations by Andrew that Cersei might have expected him to get there sooner. I can see Littlefinger just saying, oh, we were delayed on the road. We didn't get here fast enough or whatever he says. Whoa, you know, Littlefinger, it just, is that you? I, well, I had to show up. I left Sansa in a crypt somewhere. I can't imagine that he would, uh, he would, he would feel that way. Uh, you know, just like, oh, I, I'm going to go in here blind. I think he's got a, a pretty good plan. He's not quite Varus, but Littlefinger knows what's up. Like, yeah. he's not going in there with, with no plan in hand he's not going to show up and be shocked As a matter of fact he might be the worst thing That could happen to Cersei here because he's Such a he's such a play uh, He's such a maneuverable kind of guy That he gets there and he could really uh, Maneuver her very quickly Yeah but
0: that being said even the most dangerous men can be outmaneuvered
1: that's absolutely correct. So I like that these two are really kind of uh, are both existing in two spheres at once. One of their spheres may be that they're ignoring things that are right in front of them because they're so desirous of pursuing an outcome. And the other is that they're really both pretty qualified to do what they're doing, which is make plans against other people. So I, I like this, that there's this sort of simmering, brewing, uh, little finger Cersei kind of showdown Ooh, that's coming.
0: That sounds tasty. No, simmering sim- brewing little finger?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. The simmering is always delicious. Brewing, that can be bad. Brewing can be bad. Brewing yeah. can be bad, but w- brewing could be great, but it can also be bad.
0: We've got we've got a lot of little finger stuff that we can get into in a bit, but before we leave King's Landing, let's just let's get one more question and This is from Rainbow Shalom. Uh, Rainbow Shalom wrote in and asked uh, when Tommen said, "Are you two getting along?" referring to Mergery and Cersei, it made me wonder, is it possible that Tommen would be ignited to take any sort of action? even nonviolent. Um, do you think that we're getting to a point where Tommen is going to make an active choice or is the choice going to be made for him between his mother and his wife? Um, one thing just to say between the show and the books is Tommen is much more present on the show. Uh, he's very, he's much more of a character on the show than he is in the books. He's talked about a lot. Uh, he's not really, you know, seen putting things into action as much as he has been on the show. I think, what do you think of Tommen here with Marjorie and Cersei on the show? What do you think is going to happen here?
1: Well, he's a pawn, right? And, and then both, both parties have sort of used him as such. But the thing about pawns is they can become regal pretty easily. And so he, he is regal by, by title, but he hasn't really acted like a king. And I think you need to flash back to the sort of advice the time when Lannister gave young Tommen about what it was needed to be a king uh, and, and what people needed to focus on. I don't remember exactly what that advice was, but I, I see him as being sort of torn, right? He's definitely being torn and he's in the middle of these two. And I, I I think he wants to send his mom back to Casterly Rock. She won't listen to him. Uh, can he be stimulated to take action that would uh, affirmatively send her back? Sure, I think he could. Uh, I think that Marjorie's got a pretty powerful hold over him uh, by virtue of the fact that he's formed a new relationship with her, and he wants to be separate from his mom. He doesn't just want to be his mother's son. He wants to be his own man. And I think a large part of that is distancing himself from his mother and what his mother set him out to do. And I think we're getting some of that with common but that said he's very conflicted so i think he can be manipulated and will continue to be manipulated by both parties and i I just don't see him as being a strong actor not not as a as as an actual performance actor but i mean i don't see him taking strong actions within the course of the show what do you think
0: josh um i think given how desirous he is of making it into the record book so to speak I feel like Tommen is pretty Team Marjorie right now. But, yes, but I, so to speak. But I, got you. but I, but I think, I think, I think that the big problem with him is that he's just like a little twerp of a king. He's, you know, he's a good-hearted king. Listen, a- ask me right now, like of everybody who is on the board, who is pot- who is a potential person to sit on the Iron Throne. Who ought to be on the Iron Throne right now? I think that we're in good shape. I think if we got Cersei out of the mix and just let Tommen and Marjorie take over, I give two thumbs up to the Seven Realms. I think this is good.
1: Yeah I think that's right And and, I mean look at the Situation you put Joffrey With the Kings guard And I say this as a Big Danny fan too but You put you put Joffrey With the Kings guard on The stairs of the sept With with the the people The the with the the Militant denying them The right up are you Telling me that's going To remain nonviolent No yeah so Tommen is a Good guy at heart he Really is he's
0: a good Kid at heart he has a Long way to go he has a Lot to learn there's a Lot that he could learn From his wife who would Probably be very sweet to Him I think I feel like Marjorie's pretty cool like, I feel like this would work out. I think it would be okay. Um, but she
1: doesn't have the best track record in terms of her husband staying alive.
0: In terms of them staying alive, that is true. Um, you know, it, it, she is kind of like the um, she's like the Black Widow.
1: We do um, have to remember the prophecy of Maggie the Frog as well.
0: Of course, of course. About and, shrouds of gold and that looms. That looms large for sure. But I'm saying, like, gun to my head, who should be on the Iron Throne? I feel good about Tommen sitting there with Marjorie in his ear, as long as Cersei is out of the mix. Get Cersei out of there make sure she's no longer a factor just let Tommen you know do things from from Marjorie's perspective which sounds like that could refer to a lot of things what I just said Uh, but I I really do I really do believe that those two those two would be a power couple whether or not that's going to be allowed to happen especially when we have you know the lingering storyline of is Danny ever going to make it to Westeros I feel like uh, you know this has not been a straightforward narrative and I wouldn't expect it to continue to be what could
1: possibly get Cersei out of King's
0: Landing um if she is pushed off a cliff if she is um you know dragged to casterly rock kicking and screaming um by whom by uncle kevin by uncle kevin by you know people who are bigger than she is physically (laughs) under the (laughs) orders of tommen i think that could work um tommen
1: needs his right hand man he needs like a king's guard that is his guy he
0: does he does he doesn't have that yet doesn't seem like it he does need like a buddy uh you know tommen's buddy could take care of it who knows uh maybe she could could um maybe she could become really religious maybe she will become one of the faith militant who knows uh i it would it's it's tough to imagine cersei lannister leaving King's Landing uh, unless she's kicking and screaming or in a body bag.
1: That's Yeah, how I mean, I feel about it. she's worried about Marcella and Dorn, and she's sending other people uh, to, to try to deal with that. So I'm not even sure her own daughter could get her out of King's Landing
0: It'd be at the tough. end of the day. It'd be tough. All right, let's get back to Littlefinger. Let's get oh, back to please. Littlefinger and, you know, just talking about how, is Littlefinger walking into a trap or is he going to be going there? It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trope. Uh, is Littlefinger, you know, is he going to have some sort of plan in place? Um, and I think that the thing that makes me feel good about Littlefinger's chances of walking into and out of King's Landing with his head still on his shoulders is this observation by Thomas Norris, who wrote in and said, Of all the great men Littlefinger mentions at the tournament of Harrenhall when he's talking to Sansa in the crypto uh all are dead except Sir Barrison, who dies in this episode. What does it say about Game of Thrones that Littlefinger outlasts all these great warriors? That's a you can't kill a cockroach right? It's a good point wandering bear. It's <laughs> a great point wandering bear.
1: <laughs> it's a good point yeah you can't kill a cockroach I mean it's uh he's Littlefinger is is nothing if not a survivor and an upwardly mobile one at that and we have to keep keep in mind why he was at the tourney at Hall. he was just being fostered somewhere and he was being made fun of Littlefinger is a, a negative nickname that he's taken back and he's owned uh, and he, he wears as sort of this memory of what he used to be is he gonna and put out, out Littlefinger is. fashion line I think he should what would we? What would it be called?
0: Uh, little, like little fingers, little finger gloves, like like brats. Like, like it's like for it's just like mittens for children.
1: <laughs> kitten mittens L- little fingers little fingers yeah Little could it be called little fingers little fingers l-i-l with like an apostrophe not hope, like not like okay. yeah that might work i like that what where would he sell them though
0: uh probably at a heron hall and the airy and winterfell and everywhere else that he's gonna own because he's gonna dominate this place
1: i thought this would be like a brothel specific item
0: uh no that's uh those that's like the off-brand little fingers That's that's, that's talking about something else. Yikes. Um,
1: They they sell them in a machine in the
0: bathroom. (laughs) A vending machine, for sure. It's really gross. Really, you want to wash your hands. Uh, Or at least be wearing little fingers when operating the machine. Um, Yeah, I think that, listen, I think Littlefinger, this has been his talent. You know, he has been the guy that has moved all these pieces into place and has executed and he's been gambling and he's been gambling correctly every every time, basically. Um, You know, does that give way eventually? Probably, right? I mean, you can't imagine that Littlefinger actually walks away and, you know, uh, you know, just like hits nothing but net every single time he takes a shot. I feel like at the end of this he's going to biff it at some point. Um, you have to imagine that this won't all work out in his favor, but maybe. Crazier things could happen on Game of Thrones. Um, you know, this has been a show where you think the good guys are going to win, and then the schemers, uh, the movers and shakers, those are the ones who walk away on top time and time again, so could this be Littlefinger's game? He's certainly in a pretty good position right now. He's going to ride a dragon, burn down the wall. I mean, I would watch that. That would be (laughs) great.
1: I can't ride a dragon, Josh. How do you know? Why? Because my legs won't sit that
0: far apart. Uh, it might be. It's an unfortunate accident from when I was a child. When I was a boy. When I was a boy. Yeah, was, yeah, <laughs> possible.
1: yeah I, I don't know. Um, there's a reason they call him Littlefinger. The uh, the And it's, it's where he's from. Like, he carries with him so much of, of who he was, and he's not going to forget that. And there are a lot of characters, I think, who don't have that sort of story and who don't have that sort of lineage and something they can pull up. Jon Snow is a perfect example of somebody who does remember where he was from uh, and what his life was and even though he doesn't know the whole story uh, he does keep with him a lot of what he learned along the way there are other characters who seemingly never learned anything uh, and don't carry these any incidents with them or, or really just don't kind of bring anything to the table and are, are getting further down the path instead of learning from their mistakes and I think Cersei is in trouble of doing is in danger of doing that she's in danger of putting too much distance between her how she was before when she was more of a schemer and a plotter like i just don't know how Lance lannister is still alive I, littlefinger would not let that happen
0: wouldn't let it happen maybe that's why she's calling him back Maybe come Maybe. back here and assassinate Lancel Lannister for me. Because <laughs> that's what Littlefinger does. Well, he could like put the pieces into motion. Yeah, I feel like if she really wanted Lancel, that she could take care of
1: it. That's what I'm saying. Like I just she could poison his wine. Well, he won't drink wine. She could poison his broth or poison whatever you know, pour like hot ham water the uh, Faith Militant are eating.
0: Ooh, hot ham water's disgusting. <laughs> is that is that better when simmering or brewing? I think you probably want to simmer some hot ham water. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like the worst thing ever. It just has a smack of ham. No, 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 no. That's gross. That's gross. Um, All right. So what what did you think of this scene um, with Littlefinger and Sansa in the crypts of Winterfell? And he's giving her a history lesson about the tourney at Harrenhal. This whole business with her her aunt, Liana. Uh, Sansa is admiring Liana's crypt down here in Winterfell, admiring admiring the, um, what do you call that?
1: Her tomb. Her statue, her statue, yeah, tomb, some uh, kind of edifice. Just, you
0: know, we're getting the story about how Rhaegar Targaryen won that tournament and gave her the rose and everything. Did you, did you like this little slice of history?
1: I loved it. I, I we've talked about this a lot. As a book reader, you mentioned this on on Sunday, and you've talked about this with Rob. And past feedback shows there, are, there's a lot of that flavor from books that, that is talked about a ton. History characters talk about things that happened in the past a lot more than they do on the show. So to have some of that happening on the show, characters actually talking about what happened in the past, not only in the scene in the crypt, but also the scene with Barrison kind of telling Danny a little bit about her brother, and like a kind of fun character note about Rhaegar, and a much different character note than other character notes we've gotten about Rhaegar. I think that's great. I really love that. In a, in a different world, in, a, in kind of a more fanboy world where I live, I would love to see a season of Game of Thrones, or maybe just a mini, where it was kind of a flashback of Robert's Rebellion, and we saw the tourney at Harrenhal, and we saw everything that happened at the trident we saw everything that happened with the mad king and young jamie lannister and all of that that would be a great way to take some time between game of thrones seasons to give george r r martin more time to complete uh, his books and so that they wouldn't get spoiled that's not going to happen that's a pipe dream but i love that we're getting slices of it in the show the, the more of that we can have the better I, i'm a big fan what about you
0: oh i loved it it was great it was yeah. terrific it was it was it was really good i really liked the different perspectives on on that history from little finger and sansa talking about it to barristan the bold and Danny talking about it I love that stuff too I think it's great And I, I, I'm excited that that kind of um, That sort of nostalgia is is creeping into the show a little bit I think that that's a, it's a good move for the show to be making um, Let's talk about a little bit more about what's going on With Littlefinger and Sansa This is from Brendan of House, House Fitzy do you know that guy? First of his name. I first do know first him. First of his name. Um, Brendan wrote in and said, would you guys mind delving a little deeper into the idea of what Littlefinger tells Sansa? That he's putting his money on Stannis Baratheon being able to get there in time to draw out the Boltons and save Sansa. Is this really his plan? Because this seems like a really risky move that a guy like Littlefinger wouldn't normally make. Unless there's something more going on. What do you guys feel is really going on here? And why would Littlefinger suddenly have faith in Stannis and his army where he hasn't before? What is he not telling us uh your thoughts antonio on this what do you what do you think uh you know we're talking about Littlefinger. he's a man with a plan likely that he's walking into king's landing feeling pretty good about being able to walk out what do you think his plan with sansa and stannis uh is here do you think that it really is as simple as i'm betting on stannis i don't know i mean i really don't know uh i think I'm, it could be i mean that could be kind of the stroke of genius in in littlefinger's plots and schemes that they seem so complicated and yet it's really he's just like betting the odds yeah and Cause the and, and, odds are good that stannis who is this brilliant notorious legendary um military mastermind is going to swoop down and crush the boltons it's, it's why totally not possible why
1: not wh- why not just take sansa to the wall if that's what you wanted to do, why not just take her to Stannis and hand her over and be like, take care of business, buddy. Huh? Interesting. I mean, I don't know. There's a reason that, that they went to Winterfell and he, you know, for, for
0: him to get that far North, um, to get to the wall and then to be able to come back to anywhere pretty much it's gonna be a difficult ride he's gonna be on Bolton radar at some point for sure um you know Littlefinger won't be able to go back to King's Landing he won't have that kind of flexibility if he rides straight to the wall and hands Sansa off to Stannis he needs you know he needs the Boltons kind of as a checkpoint um in order to be able to walk back to King's Landing peacefully um so I think that's why he wouldn't be able to do something like that
1: Yeah, and I I guess what I would say is I I don't know that he is... The Boltons are certainly, essentially Lannister allies. Um, Littlefinger, I don't think, is perceived to be against the Lannisters at this point. The harboring of Sansa Stark, I'm not sure how much Cersei even knows about that, if any. Uh, And so I'm not sure that she's after him as as kind of like, put a bolo out, as we would say in our Justified podcast. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, I don't know that there's any Leos out there with a bolo out on Littlefinger. Uh, I don't that there's a warrant on his head or a price like there is on Tyrion's. I don't think Cersei sees him as as sort of adverse to her interests at this point. So I don't think it's going to be a problem for Littlefinger to be wandering around the North. At the end of the day, if he's wandering down the King's Road and some Bolton people pick him up, he says, "Hey, we're on the same side here. I work with Cersei." She said, "I went to King's. I went to the Erie to uh, to settle up some business there. Unfortunately, it didn't go how I want. Now I'm heading back to King's Landing. Like this is what it is. I, I just don't see he like he's again." I don't see it's a problem if he's wandering around The north I don't know I, I just I, I think his plan is Littlefinger seems to be the guy who plans With contingencies so if it doesn't Work out this could still work or this Could still work or this could still work So I think Littlefinger is the kind of guy that Sets a whole lot of things in play uh, And then lets them play out and Reacts to how they how they play out Which is why I think that ultimately he Didn't just take Sansa to the wall I don't Think he's a one plan kind of guy I think he Is the kind of guy that sends Sansa to a or if Stannis shows up and he wins He'll be happy to have you there and you can be Say you say you rescued me if Stannis shows Up and he loses well you'll still be locked down With the Boltons unfortunately that'll be Pretty tough tough for you you need to work that out And eventually we'll probably kill The people that we need to kill to make sure that you're in charge And I think so he's got a plan A And a plan B with Sansa and Winterfell Versus if he sent her to the wall he'd only have a plan A
0: interesting well let's go to the wall Let's go to the wall let's talk about Stannis we've been Talking about Littlefinger and his little lady Let's talk about Stannis and his little lady let's get a voicemail in from jackie tomare all right hi josh and antonio this is jackie from canada and i'm just curious as to why we're seeing so many scenes on stannis's daughter is it just showing us stannis's softer side or is there more to the story i can't uh, wrap my head around why this 10 year old girl is such an important part to the story and the battle of the seven kingdoms if you could uh, clear that up for me or help me, maybe see what direction we're going, that would be great. Have a great day. Thanks. So, why are we seeing so much of Stannis' daughter? I, there's a couple of reasons. Is she, is she super important? Is she gonna be? Is she going to be on the Iron Throne?
1: And look, I'm not bringing any book knowledge into this, so I'll just say that uh, that there's a couple of reasons I think in the context of the show where she's come up. Right? So she taught she taught Ser Davos how to read. And, and kind of gave him some letters and that was a meaningful interaction that he had at a time when it was really difficult for him uh, and she helped him work through that. She's sort of a sensitive, kind-hearted soul and she she has this this problem with the grayscale and we got a lot more information about how that happened with her in this episode. I should add, and you guys have talked about this on, on these podcasts, another grayscale reference. Another and grayscale so, reference, yeah. And, and so when it comes down to it, Jackie, I don't know if she's important just because she has had the grayscale, and we need to see what that looks like, and we need to see a representation of that. We do get a lot of references to grayscale on this show, including in this season, including this story this week, which was about grayscale. I almost feel like that scene wasn't included to show Stannis as sensitive. It was included with the primary purpose of talking about grayscale, only because of what Josh and Rob have been saying about how much, and, and, other, and, and as listeners have been observing, how much we're getting about grayscale, getting this repeated mention of it. So she definitely has has a role to play there. I should also add, if Stannis is the king she does have royal blood. And I've been a little concerned about this whole royal blood stuff and and how uh, Melisandre sniffs around those people who might have royal blood. What is she going to do to poor Shireen? Well, this is the thing. Didn't she say that she wanted Shireen to come to the wall? Oh, God, I think she did. I'm pretty sure that she did. And and so I don't know exactly where that comes into play, but I'm just more than a little concerned about Shireen in that regard, too, because she is legitimately royal blood. I hope they don't
0: have leeches on the Wall. <laughs>
1: or maybe they got, that leeches. Would be got leeches everywhere.
0: Leeches might be better than whatever they could find up there.
1: Leeches are probably better than whatever they would find north of the wall. Absolutely. Uh. So, so I'm a little concerned about her and have been concerned about her. Uh, Melisandre being interested in her has always concerned me, and I, and I'm, I'm I'm wondering with those two things. I think those are both two pretty important things story wise that she could play in uh, and and reflect. It has the added bonus this week, of course, of making Stannis look like a sensitive person, and and a, a three dimensional Stannis is, in my opinion, is fantastic. Are you a fan of Manus? I love. I love the the
0: manis. I love the 3D 3D Stannis works for me. Yeah, Um, it's funny that you say that, though, because this is a question from our boy R. Philly. R. Philly wrote in and said, "When Stannis recounts his story to Shireen, he seems to be clearly expressing his love for his daughter. Yet." He remains so cold and impassive. Is that indicative of what Renly once told him, that no one wants you for their king because of his lack of friends and charisma? Can he truly hope to rule the realm with no loyal supporters? Um, This is a fair observation. I think this is a fair critique on Stannis, whereas I walked away from this moment thinking like, oh man, stanis baratheon's like maybe the best dad in westeros at least as far as the ones that we've met like he obviously really loves his daughter but i got that you know like his demeanor um i'm used to it at this point because we've seen plenty of scenes with him but is this just a guy who just is not ever going to be a man of the people like will people really ever rally behind this guy
1: I, he can, if he could be like he was with Shireen uh, all the time, maybe, but that only came from a horrible story. So he's kind of like the dad that's like, let me tell you about that time that you almost died. Right. Oh, let me tell you about that time again. Like that's all he's really got is just like a very negative story that he can can continue to relate. Not like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I remember your first steps. I remember the first words that you read. I remember the free no, None of that. It's all about like this dark Stannis is all darkness all the time all the time uh, and so yeah, i think this does harken back the manis is dark and full of terrors the manis is dark and full of terrors and i, I think our Philly's right it does harken back to a little bit of, of what renly said yet i still say that i walked away from that scene thinking that's the warmest and best i felt about stannis in the entire run of the
0: series yeah 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 for sure uh but you know it, it's a fair point it's something that you always think about with stannis is that he's just like that constant resting frowny face yeah i mean maybe
1: not his fault i i have i I, I got to say, I have not been the biggest fan of show Stannis uh, since the inception of this show, but I'm I'm really loving him at the wall. It's loving a shame that it, wall. it's a shame that it seems like he keeps talking about how he's going to leave before the snows come down. Because I'm loving his sort of burgeoning bromance with Jon Snow. Is the kind of ad, I'm not sure it's even a mutual admiration society. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a one way admiration society. I'm loving that.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: good. just a shame to see that go I think away. Just
0: Stannis in the north is a good look. You know, it's yeah. it's like you know, it's the the cold Cold, the bitter cold works for a bitter cold man. It's yeah, almost, it's almost a surprise right. that he's not a northerner, uh, the way that he's portrayed. It's almost like show. he's a Mainer. <laughs> he's almost like a Mainer. Yeah. Um, all right, well, you mentioned Jon Snow. You Earlier, you mentioned King's Blood. Um, this question, this voicemail from Omri, ties both of those together. Let's hear it from Omri.
1: Omri's definitely first of his name. Indeed, he is. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Omri from Jerusalem, first of my name. <laughs> I remember a few seasons ago that Melisandre told Stannis that he's not strong enough to make another shadow baby. So maybe this week she was trying to use the next best thing, which is Jon Snow. Because we all know that the Starks were kings in the north for thousands of years. So Jon Snow does have blood of kings running through his veins. So maybe she was trying to make a shadow baby with him to fight the Boltons what do you think
0: all right Antony. what do you think about that what do you think about omri from jerusalem first of his names theory that melisandre is trying to have little king shadow babies with john's uh stark king blood oh she was trying to make a baby well, that, she was is, trying, that is that is <laughs> uh, trying to make a baby for sure or well, she was trying she, to get she, it on
1: she was trying to try to make a baby yeah i don't know exactly what the end, end goal make a baby I don't know what the end goal was that was in play there. Uh, but that was, there was, there was, that was happening. There was, uh, there was some, there was some very, uh, very intimate times that were being suggested there. And Jon Snow was not having it. And I, and good for him sticking up for his vows. It's not exactly the easiest sticking thing to. Sticking up for uh,
0: something, I'm sure.
1: Not exactly the easiest thing to walk away from. Uh, that's for damn sure. So good for him. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of Jon Snow in some ways. Uh, and I, I was still baffled that he made fun of that poor ginger guy. Cause you had to hear his another. The redhead that's got the hots for Jon Snow and he doesn't seem to have any issue with it. So yeah, I don't know what, what the deal with that was. I was a little puzzled by that, to be honest with you, Josh. Why? I'm not sure why the infatuation with Jon Snow. Uh, she, We know why she was interested in in, in Gendry because Gendry was Robert Baratheon's uh, kind of weird, one of his 20 kids or whatever. I don't know why she's interested in Jon Snow. And I think the theory about the Starks being kings in the North and uh, being connected to that is a good one. I mean, if he he was Lord Snow, uh, and he was made Lord Snow, he wouldn't be a king, he'd be the Warden of the North, but the Warden of the North, and, and the last Warden of the North, I guess, by default, that we knew was Rob Stark, and Rob Stark claimed he was the king, so it's not that far-fetched for John, uh, for Jon Snow. I mean, I don't know how this works in... in How does this work in Westeros, Josh? You just, if you just say you're a king, are you a king? Uh, for Melisandre?
0: I mean, like, it's is it kind of like the rules of, like, if someone asks you if you are a god, you say you just, yes? You just say yes. If, if Melisandre Alessandra asks you, Are you a king? You say yes. (laughs) You say yes. You say yes. But you start making shadows. Well, look, I mean, like, she certainly thought that, you know gendry who had you know baratheon blood in him as a bastard uh was you know that was potent enough for her to you know get some blood leeches going on there some king blood leeches there um if we're holding to this idea I, this is actually a pretty clever idea you know the starks were once upon a time the kings in the north um you know there's the famous uh the the king who knelt the stark who knelt um the the guy who kind of ended that line of kings in the north that was gone but if john you know. John could be considered, you know, to have King's blood in in him, you know, with with being Ned Stark's, you know, bastard son. That's interesting. He's got he's got Stark blood in him for sure. uh, And Stark blood could be, you know, regal. This Jon Snow, like everybody seems to be
1: after him, like the Mance Rayder wanted him on his side. The people at the wall want him on their side.
0: Everybody's so hot for this guy's jack.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's understandable, I think, right? Ham Kit Harington. Ham water, <laughs> hot ham. with a smack of ham, Josh. But I, I don't, I don't know that that. Uh, I don't know that that's something that I just. I, I'm, I'm still puzzled by this with regard to Melisandre. I want to know what's in her head because I. If, what, if somebody, she,
0: what was your take on the you know nothing, Jon Snow?
1: She, she, knows, she, she, knows knows. No. she
0: knows She knows
1: something yeah. John She knows to say that She didn't just pull that out of the ether yeah. like She might have just pulled it out of the ether But the ether does talk to her And told her to say that That's how I feel about that Because how else does she know to drop that line It's not a coincidence, not a coincidence. I'm, I'm not sure like Rob was kind of speculating on the show That uh, she can just talk to dead people That she can just talk to anybody that she wants And, and all the time that can happen I don't really think that I, But I really want to get inside her head Because like I said Was in the, in her sort of twisted logic, with regard to king's blood, would rob Stark have qualified? Yeah. Would Renly have qualified? Like, yeah. where do we draw the line? If you claim you're a king, are you a king? Or do you have to be descended from a line like the
0: Starks that has a traditional sort of regal line? Well, I, think, I mean, I think I think that um, you know, with with the Baratheons, it's is is it just because Robert Baratheon was king and Stannis is rightfully king, or is it because the Bar- the Baratheons have Targaryen blood? You know, they are they are related to the Targaryens, their cousins, uh, you know, they've, they've got that link um, and the Targaryens are certainly, you know, they are, you know, a long, long line of kings that sat on that throne um, or is it just the straight up, you're a Baratheon, Robert Baratheon was king, you're his brother, you're next in line um, or, you know, with the Stark thing, the Starks were kings once upon a time. The rules are a little murky. Um,
1: it, yeah, and I think, I think that with that murkiness, I think that that I took this scene to mean like I want to know more about why Melisandre thinks what she thinks. I need to know more about what she sees and, and how she sees it. I, I would love to have a, a Melisandra point of view episode. I want to know what's in her head.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like that quite a bit. Um, Alright, let's go to uh, let's go as far south as south gets away from the wall. How about that? We're, Mexico? Mexico! You boys like Mexico! Uh, no, we're going to Dorn. Let's go to Dorn. Let's be uh, let's be like Jamie and Bronn. Let's go on a little road trip together and let's hear a voicemail from Alex Wilpon
2: Hey Josh and Antonio, it's Alex in Jersey. Since you're my favorite bromance from Rob as a Planet, I have a question about my favorite bromance from the Seven Kingdoms, Jamie and Bronn. How do you see this mission of theirs going? We know that Bronn is self-interested, taking Cersei's bribe and not standing by Tyrion last season. We also know from this week's episode that Bronn wants to die a boring death, which probably wouldn't happen if things take a bad turn in Dorne. Is Jamie's promise of a better wife and castle enough to keep Ron loyal now? Or was the tricky camera work with the killing of the snake a warning of a betrayal to come?
0: All right, pretty cool observation from Alex Ophahn. I didn't make anything uh, of him killing the snake. Like nothing, like he's going to betray Jamie or anything like that. Um, is he? Is he a snake in the midst? Is this bromance going to going to have a, a terrible ending? And and then based on Alex's voicemail, what does that mean about us, Josh? Well, I mean, I know the ending. No, How no spoilers. Have, I've read the books. No, um, this is um, no good. I've read the Wixarro chapters. I've read the. I, I've. I know what happens to you and I.
1: What is that? A song of like bourbon and pizza? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think I. It. I think I wrote that song once. Yeah, it was gross. Um, no, that was a great song. It was a great night, but it, it, it had a gross ending. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know what you're um, talking. But what, about. But what do you think? Seriously, do you think? Do you think that there's a shot that this Jamie Braun thing doesn't play out the way that we want it to? We want these two to be best friends. We we want them to have their own spin-off show together? Uh, is that not going to happen? We want them
1: to make videos, movies about Dorn, right? <laughs> what would they be called? I think it would be called Dornos. <laughs> we don't <laughs> want biodorn. We, we don't want that. We want biodorn. Yes, we want like a Stephen Baldwin, Paulie Shore <laughs> mashup. Who's with the Paulie uh,
0: Shore and who's the Stephen Baldwin? Uh,
1: I think Jamie's the Paulie. Poly- Whoa, no, Jamie's Stephen Baldwin. I think.
0: It, well, this is very. It's, it, it's tough. The, casting this is almost too difficult. We'll Stephen be Steven Baldwin long. and
1: Paulie Shore both. St- stupid this is Aww. hard like i never realized that one of them wasn't smart like i never thought about that
0: yeah. till just now they were both idiots but but jamie and braun are both awesome so it's kind of like uh just take a take your pick i guess for Biodorn. and they could play either one you flip a coin it's like the departed either matt damon's playing the bad guy or leo dicaprio is playing the bad guy leo
1: leo Yeah, so I do love, it's a really good observation by Alex, actually, and it's something I thought about. I really did love that scene between Jamie and Braun, where they're talking about how they'd like to die. It reminded me so much of The Sopranos. I'm not going to say, you know, if you've watched The Sopranos, I think you'll know the scene I'm talking about from the beginning of the sixth season, but it reminded me about that, and why I'm a little worried about that is because it reminded me of that. And it made me think, oh, that conversation in that show mattered, and so I'm a little concerned that this conversation is going to matter, that it's going that's going to be a conversation we look back on like Alex is suggesting and say oh my gosh this happened or or this was telegraphing the fact that that could never happen and I was particularly concerned about how those two characters suggested they were going to die bronze is a pipe dream and Jamie's Jamie kind of remarks like surprised that you would think that I expected more out of you uh, but Bronze is not necessarily a, look he was going to be perfectly happy with Lolly Stokeworth and I think he was probably going to kill Lolly's sister but I think that would have made Lolly even happier and then Bronze would have been fine to live about his years. He's, he was, what did he say? Whelped and uh, I forget the other word he used, but he's from Fleabottom, right. I think. I really do think that Sir Bronn is sort of lowborn and he's worked his way up as we know. And so I, I think any ending that is beyond what he's had already is a good ending for Bronn as long as he doesn't die at the end. But that said, look, there's something that wasn't in Alex's voicemail that concerned me and that's Bronn sort of poking around about the ship captain. And here's Jamie bribing the ship captain with a giant bag of gold. Where's Bronn's gold? Where like is it's What's going to happen? Who's going to take care of Braun? Like, I think that we have seen, as Alex rightly observes, we've seen Braun to be this sort of self-interested kind of person who is going to take the best offer. And I want to flash all the way back to the beginning of this season. We saw a snake with a necklace show up at the beginning and, and kind of send Jamie away. Do we Do we really, are we really confident about, about the threat from Dorn? That doesn't seem to, what we, to be what we're getting from Dorne Martell at all.
0: Not from Dorne. Martell but from Alaria Sand a uh, hundo we For should sure. be very afraid she is talking about how she knows from the, kip, the ship captain they all know this now um, that Jamie Lannister is in Dorne and they have to make their move on Marcella before he can get there um, it's, it's like an episode of 24 now you know it's like <laughs> oh my gosh. There's, there's the ticking clock element going on now where like Jamie has a certain amount of time and he doesn't know it but he has a certain amount of time to pull there's the no time Josh there's no time <laughs> Damn it, Bron, we're running out of time. <laughs> you think that uh, is, is President Heller going to play a role at all? <laughs> is he like, uh, is he the Doran Martel? I think he might be. What would he say? How would he how would he talk Illyria Sand down? Illyria, yeah, listen, we're going to bring B- Marcella back. It's going to be fine. I'm doing fine. Don't worry about me.
1: I I just don't see that man. I just don't see that playing out that way. I just I'm worried about Marcella for sure.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You should be worried about Marcella for sure. This is a very and poor Marcella. What did she do? She's you know the product of incest. That sucks. But she's a living, thinking, feeling human being. By all accounts, she seems to be a really nice person. <laughs> You're weighing in on very sensitive subjects, Josh. It sucks. Like I feel bad for her. This whole situation sucks. And now she's what? She's going to get targeted by Alaria Sand for something that her like douchebag relatives did once upon a time it sucks
1: yeah i mean it, look the, that is true like w- think about what Oberyn was there to avenge he was there to avenge children getting killed and oberon said we don't we don't hurt young girls in dorne like he specifically said that to Cersei last year yeah and and that's oberon i i believe him i he believe wouldn't, he, was he wouldn't down. be
0: down with this probably no i don't like, think we're he not would. gonna kill your children you know that's what makes us better than you yeah because um, you killed like, ours and that was why i'm here he's like michelle desler and hilarious Sanders is like tony almeida and just denying all of his wishes. Who's Chloe in all of this? Where's Chloe? Bron. Bron. Bron, is Bron is Chloe.
1: Chloe? <laughs> yeah, Broly. I would love to see Mary Jane. Uh, what's her name?
0: Rab's Cub or Mary, whatever. Cub. yeah.
1: Marilyn Cub. kind of a, like, like, uh, what do you call
0: it? In like, an alternate uh, universe, she would have been a great Maggie the Frog.
1: I, well, absolutely. She kind of, the Maggie Frog kind of looked like her. I would like to see her swede the Jamie and Bron, uh kind of road trip. I don't know who she would swede it with, but I would love to see that happen. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I think these are all very, very valid observations by Alex. So the thing is, Jamie doesn't really have anybody he can count on. It, it's it's sort of interesting that in, in his, his most needy moment, when he had to carry out this highly secretive, very sensitive mission, he turned to a sellsword. He turned to somebody whose loyalty can be bought. And that, that you got to think in a different world, he absolutely would have brought Brienne with him. Yeah. Right. And they would have sailed past hearth and they could have both looked on it fondly and it couldn't have just been Jamie smiling. It could have been two of them, but it didn't work out that way. So it's a shame that he had to turn to a sword. That said, of all the swords, I think Braun is our favorite one. And I got to hope that he's going to, he's going to take care of Jamie. But I mean, money talks, man. And Braun is certainly a person who listens. So I think it's a, a very good observation by Alex if I had to put my money on it, though, I, I would say that I would say that based on that whole comment about Braun saying "Oh, I just want to die quietly, that Braun is not going to die quietly and Braun is going to die loudly. And that's going to be a problem. I think that may, might be what our future is for this duo, if I had to guess.
0: All right. So I actually took that. To mean that it was it was um, forecasting what's going to happen, to in the bold, um, and we could, we could because we haven't really talked about that, and that's a, that's a very big deal. Let's get into the embarrassed the bold it. stuff. Um, and you know, Bron has this line of like, I my life has been exciting. I've lived an exciting life. I want to have a boring death. Um, and we do see you know, regardless of whatever fate is awaiting Bron, um, we see that a guy like Barrison the bold is going to get anything but a boring death. He is going to go out fighting. He's going to go out swinging um what did you think of this scene we talked about this extensively this is different from the books we don't need to beat that to death any further let's just take it uh poor Barristan's already been beaten to death uh we Ooh. let's just let's just take it for what it was on the show what did you think of barristan the bold's final stand
1: it was awesome right like i mean it was uh it was we haven't seen a ton of him fighting uh, we we've seen kind of uh, what he kind of raises his sword and gets out of there uh with with joffrey if I remember correctly, we, we, just kind of gets his way out, but I think it was great to see the final stand and, and see him actually fighting it really exposes Danny. And I think that that's difficult. Uh, we don't know exactly how that's going to play out. A lot of discussion on the post-show recap Sunday night after the show, uh, obviously of whether this creates a power vacuum or, or fills, you know, creates a void that uh, that Sir Jora could step right into. I think actually the, the void is there for Tyrion uh, because Barriston was as much of a, an advisor uh, and almost a, years, somebody who really was providing a lot of knowledge to Danny, and I think Tyrion's in a really great position to do that um, because we saw him excel as the hand and we know this is something that he's very good at So, I, I, in, in terms of killing him knowing that he wasn't killed in the books, you guys talked about that, I actually like that it creates a, a nice position for Tyrion to serve with Danny. I don't know what it spells for Sir Jorah, Tyrion and Danny, or Tyrion Sir Jorah, Tyrion and Sir Jorah talk about that like maybe you're going to be the one who's executed and I'm going to be the one who's pardoned like, I think they're fighting over that. But I, I like the idea of Tyrion being able to step into that role. I'm not so sure about Sir Jorah. We'll have to see how that plays out.
0: R. Philly wrote in. Our Philly wrote in a bunch of great questions and left a voicemail as well. R. Philly wrote in and said, After hearing what a spectacular swordsman Barry the Bold is, do we think what appears to be his final stand was anticlimactic? Is his just another death we will add to the list of totally unworthy ways to go, like Ned and Rob before him? Did you find it to be anticlimactic the way that he went? <laughs>
1: I don't think so. I I, I mean I, a little bit but uh, on the other hand my son's of the harpy I'm a son of the harpy by the way. Yeah, we are we have,
0: Here's <laughs> my card.
1: Yeah, let me <laughs> don't cross me. I'll uh, pull a statue. Don't cross down on the top me, of I'm your a son head. of the harpy. Well, son of the harpy. Oh, please. <laughs> Can't you go any further with what you're doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I would say that uh I would say that I, I liked it. It was edited a little montagey almost. There was kind of this swooping, like almost slow mo shots of him taking down sons of the harpy. And I it's mean, like look. Oh it's like a war movie, look,
0: you know. There there were potentially some serious Issues with this final scene of Sons of the Harpy. Uh let's cue up a voicemail from Matt Campbell. He's gonna touch on some of those issues.
2: Touch us, Matt. Antonio saw Mill my favorite maces of the Citadel. Matt from Australia here. Help me out with my logic of the marine fight for a second. We have the unsullied, trained since birth to fight the most disciplined army in the world versus the Sons of the Harpy, untrained slave masters that mainly do their killing at night or behind closed doors. Despite there being 8,000 Unsullied in Marine, they somehow get slightly outnumbered. But that doesn't matter, because 600 Unsullied have killed 12,000 Dothraki before. So chaos ensues in a West Side Story alley fight, but go Jets! And Barristan arrives to see that the Unsullied have been easily defeated. Then, the 70-year-old Barristan takes out about 10 harpies on his own. Something that about a dozen Unsullied couldn't do. Does any of this make sense, or am I being too harsh?
1: I thought that might be happening. I'm, I'm such a fan.
0: Go Jets! Oh, Go Jets! You don't think he was talking about the New York Football Jets, do you? I didn't even know that was a thing. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty and yeah. in miry and in hobbies. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think? I mean, this is a fair point. The unsully the reason why they're such a high price, why they're so, um, you know, so desirable, if you're looking to build an army, is because they can like do incredible things and incredible odds and <laughs> take down yeah. these large, large armies. And you know, Rob was more upset about this than I was on the live show. But like, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know what? Actually, um, this does kind of suck. This kind of sucks i had a friend who texted me immediately after the scene being like this damaged the integrity of the unsullied in the in the timeline uh very upset about how this uh, works is your friend gonna like that voice you made for him or her never never gonna listen to this Um, and (laughs) and i not really a friend then josh i gotta say like the more the more that i think about it the more i agree it's like the unsullied probably should have been a little bit better in this situation especially given who they were up against
1: I'm on team Matt Campbell. Uh, I don't know if Matt was your friend who texted you because that didn't sound like Matt. Yeah, Uh, Matt Matt had a much awesomer voice. The
0: the charges from Australia to where I am are pretty high. For texts,
1: you could use WhatsApp. Uh, WhatsApp's a good app. Or Line, maybe something. Yep. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm on Team Matt Campbell here. I think Matt is right. I, and, and not. I don't think being too harsh. I, I will say, I, if, you, if you've ever seen The Untouchables, in The Untouchables there's this group called The Untouchables, right? And, uh, and they're these guys you just can't touch, right? They're the, the law officers, and it's this Chicago kind of movie. And that one of the characters gets killed. And on the wall of the elevator in his blood, they write the word touchable. And I think the word sullied should be written on the wall uh, in that alley. Because these people are sullied. Like, I, and, and I will say... They're soft, S A W F T, soft because they're lying down with 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 prostitutes for some sort of emotional treatment. I mean, I don't know what's going on with those lullabies. How dare
0: these human beings need comfort and feeling and emotion after the Willies have been chopped to bits?
1: Totally agree. Pillar and stones. Like I'm with you. It's horrible. Things have happened to the unsullied, but the unsullied, but the unstullied. but the bill of goods that Danny was sold by by that dude by the slavers were that the unsullied. Did not respond to that That they were killing machines So I, I gotta say that bill of goods That she was sold Maybe not the best thing And maybe this army of Unsullied Isn't unstoppable uh, As we're seeing Surely there's some element Of surprise here And, I, and I, I was on your team On Sunday night Talking about how they There was an element of surprise It was a really tough situation They were surrounded on all sides uh, And this was kind of a sneak attack And the, the Sons of the Harpy Know the city better They know the ways to do this They can kind of operate in secret Look, I, I, this, there's a lot of allegory and metaphor to be had sure, here. Sure. George R. R. Martin is not writing this book in a vacuum. Uh, anything, anytime you write about conquering a people versus ruling a people, you have to look at the world around you and see examples of that and see how difficult that is, and groups rise up. I mean, the, the soldiers that are, are fighting ISIS in places around the world are said to be the most trained and well-armed soldiers in the world, and yet things are continuing to happen that are really bad. So I, I don't think we should totally knock the Unsullied down because I think that there's a, a large element of the Sons of the Harpy that exists in this kind of way that we've seen play out throughout history. The Viet Cong is another example uh, of, of people who are, are not exactly your great killing force, but that that yeah. are using the knowledge of the locales and and kind of operating in the shadows to, to be very effective and efficient at what they're doing. That said, I still felt like it was a little interesting to see the Unsullied go down in the alley the way they went down. I think a few less of them, or maybe even just one of them, maybe it could it have just been gray worm it didn't need to be a whole group of the unsullied uh, that were in the alley so i think there are different ways to to stage that scene that doesn't sully the reputation of the unsullied shall we say but i think there's more to that than
0: me you want to yeah. fit a sully sullenberg reference in here just to make that a little tighter you think, you think it would land if i did oh god it did <laughs> it landed it landed It landed. all right well the water landing you know that's all all fair points for sure just makes me makes me a little annoyed just because the Unsullied are supposed to be the best.
1: I think they're sullied. I think they that they're sullied. not... they are sullied. I want to, one final one final bullet. I want to put on that. I think there's been a lot of criticism of the Masande Grey Worm storyline. Why is this happening? Why do we care? Like, do we really need this? All these things. But I think to the extent that it shows us that the unsullied are actually sullied, that they actually do have feelings, that they actually are three dimensional or more than just killing machines, I think that that says a lot about the people that Danny has on her side. And she can't just rely on these people necessarily to act as killing machines all the time and just conquer and entire country which is what her goal is in westeros uh by just landing them on the ground she's going to have to count on those dragons and probably a lot more political guile than she showed to this point
0: yeah yeah no that's fair i I actually think that that's a that's a good point also that you bring up with with gray worm and missandei and how that is showing the vulnerability of the unsullied as well so it's a thing that they've been seeding for a while Uh, they're not they're not perfect they're not the perfect killing force on the show that maybe they are it, it, it'll be great if it all plays
1: out with Danny not being able to truly count on them and needing to build different alliances, needing to add new people or needing to really count on the dragons, which she's not been able to do. All
0: right. Hey, let's talk about dragons. Well, oh, uh, anytime you want, let's, man. Let's talk about dragons. Let's talk about um, Tyrion. Tyrion is with Jorah. Uh, he is on the way to Meereen. This is hilarious because he was already on the way and now he's just changed his traveling companion. Um, and this is a question not about what happened this week, but about what might be happening next week. Um, This is uh, a little bit of a a spoiler from the preview, so if you don't like the preview stuff, that's your warning. Um, But this is about something that we saw in the preview for next week's episode, a voicemail from Oscar Lionetti.
2: Now that Tyrion's on his way to Marine to meet Daenerys, what do you think his reaction will be when he realizes that the dragons are real and that he's been wrong this whole time about the mystical world not existing? Bye. See you later.
0: See you later bye bye see you bye. later um all right let's let's look at this uh Tyrion is going to see a dragon flying overhead we see this in the preview this seems to be a thing that's going to happen in next week's episode uh what's he gonna th- i mean this is a guy who has read about dragons he loves dragons he this is one of the first things we we know about him when we meet him on the show is he just gonna be like uh, but what what is <laughs> yeah. what is that what is this world twisted yeah i mean yeah. what's his actually gonna be just like pure just like awe i it has to be
1: right like he i mean he is he's gonna they're i hope so jorah's got some holes in that boat he's gonna have to shove something out of there i think
0: whoa what does yeah. that mean Tyrion's gonna crap himself he's gonna shit himself yeah absolutely oh, like, okay i get it now
1: yeah, no, I mean, but I, I'm I'm. a little concerned that you thought it meant something else, I, uh, but I'm not good. I'm just going to move on. Move on. I, I would say that I'm, I would say that I'm, put yourself in Tyrion's shoes. What, Josh, what is something that you've loved ever since you were a boy and that you wish was real?
0: Um, Nicolas Cage as a dragon. And if you saw Nicolas Cage as a dragon, what would your reaction be? My reaction would be, that's exactly what I expected. No way. No, no don't, no. don't soft sell How about ride. A pizza dragon, a pizza a dragon p- I would lose my mind over.
1: P- what about the, what if you saw an actual, the stay puffed marshmallow man?
0: Um, that would destroy me in terms of just like shock and also in terms of marshmallows crushing my face with their feet.
1: Well, you saw it. I mean, he was at a distance. He Maybe you had the chance to take care of some business here. But yeah, I think that Tyrion is going to be floored. I think this is the sort of thing like think about just like put whoever you are listening right now, put yourself in Tyrion's shoes, something you haven't thought to be real that has existed somewhere in some mythical realm in your mind that you've been obsessed with. Uh, maybe it's Josh Wiggler's Neard. I don't know what it is, but put you yourself don't know in what the neerd mo- It is. <laughs> I don't know what it is in your head. A I also don't beard know what it is. Or a
0: nerd beard or a near beard. Take your pick.
1: It could be any of those things that you're obsessed with and you've 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 been fantasizing about. Then one of them just shows up flying over your head. I, that is an awesome mark out moment. It Just showed up. It ju- it just shows up. Roger that. Wow. That's what the neard does. It just shows up and then it just it, it, it doesn't get anywhere beyond that. It no, just we're shows still up. And, about
0: the neared. Well, we can stop if you want. A dragon with a neared. I would be disappointed. What about a pizza dragon with a neard? It would be like pizza the hut. Yeah, I'd still be into it. Well, I think
1: that uh, I think that. But anyway, I just think that if if you can imagine what the most crazy thing that you've ever wanted to see and know that you won't see for a lot of people the answer is Jesus Jesus flies over their head and people would lose their minds lose their minds yeah Tyrion sees a dragon that's a big deal for Tyrion that's going to be awesome I mean that I'll tell you what Tyrion's been in a rut he's been in a really bad spot I feel like seeing a dragon the kind of thing that can pull him out of it
0: it's going to be like um, Alan Grant seeing the dinosaurs for the first time
1: exactly it's going to be just like that clever girl Josh you're a clever Clever girl. girl
0: I'm not a girl (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not. Um, all right. Well, how about this? Let's let's move away from dragons. It seems like that's going to be a big topic next week, but let's talk about um, what Arya might lose her, her mind over seeing for the first time. This is a great observation from Jordan Kalish. Uh, I believe it's Kalish. He'll, he'll let us know in the voicemail uh, an observation about... Arya. Hey guys, this is Jordan Kalish, which of course rhymes with Baelish. In this episode, Cersei sent Mace Tyrell with Sir Meryn Tran to the Iron Bank of Braavos. You both agree that this is bad news for Mace, but isn't this also a potentially dangerous trip for Meryn Tran? We know that there's a certain girl currently living in Braavos with a hit list that includes Sir Marin. Will Arya soon be able to take another name off her list? Alright, yeah, that was that was pretty great. I mean, we, we get this a couple episodes ago, we get Arya saying Meryn Trant's name as she's you know reciting the names of all the people that she wants to kill and then in this episode cersei sends marin trant to bravos where Arya is is this it's just too perfect not to happen right i think
1: you're right it's just too perfect not to happen and i don't but know that's if it'll why be, it won't happen right uh, uh, That's not tell me that. don't tell me that don't tell me that you
0: know people are ships in the night they never really meet
1: allow me to have this fantasy, Josh. I want to see a play out. I want to see Maron Trant just, this is the thing. is getting this training, it seems like, to be very disciplined and to not have any desires or any kind of possessions, to not even have Arya, to not be Arya Stark, to not carry with her any of the physical or mental trappings of where she's been. She's walking around uh, in in Braavos and sees Maron Trant on the street. That's going to really screw up her training, and she's going to want to take Needle out of the rocks where she hit it and just find a way to get Maren Trant, there's no way I don't care how long and how disciplined she's been This is something that could easily snap her Out of it, so we could see a decision point Coming for Arya very soon, we haven't Really found out um, what the people In the House of Black and White do or why They do it, we saw Jake and Higar give a guy A cup of something and then the guy gets Carried away and appears to be dead uh, And there's a lot of bodies that are being Washed and people dying it seems like So we don't really know what's going on there But I have a feeling it's not Freedom to kill whoever you want whenever you want I think it's the exact opposite of that So there, there does seem to be a lot more discipline Going on there and this is something that could really jeopardize that for Arya And I think that's a good observation by Was it Jordan Kalish, Is that rhyme with blackfish?
0: I think that's right
1: okay just checking
0: um great great uh observations by you too antonio and i think you know that's actually if if we look at it from the other way like that that could be the reason why she doesn't kill maren trant i think that i would be more inclined to like put money down on Arya encounters maren trant yep i'll I'll bet on that what she chooses to do is the question you know and and it sucks because like either either way it it's, it's I mean, does it suck? In in either direction, it's great and it's awful. Like, on one level, it's awesome if she avenges you know, Cereo Pharrell, Maren Trant being the guy who killed Ciro. Uh Like, that would be incredible for her to get that moment. At the same point, it's, it's a sad indictment of Arya, of just her bloodlust and the fact that, you know, doing so probably you know, is going to really shake whatever principles she's learning here at the House of Black and White, so that sucks. And then on the other end, if she chooses not to kill this guy then she gets to continue going to ninja school that's great but then we just don't get to see Arya kill a guy we don't get to see Arya kill marion chant which would also be so cool so i guess the point is like in either scenario this story will be both awesome and have a little bit of uh, a bittersweet aspects as well
1: yeah i mean i think that that could be and obviously the best great setup though
0: excellent setup
1: yeah the best outcome of all of that is she doesn't kill him she she keeps her ninja school training and then as part of some ninja mission later she gets to kill him like that would be fantastic but that's not instant gratification no it's not instant gratification that's what we all desire josh yeah
0: yeah or she gets sent to kill him as soon as he sets foot in bravos that would be the best (laughs)
1: that would be also amazing if she has a ninja mission to kill him right away just do
0: it now just go for it what if
1: she gets a ninja mission to kill mace tyrell
0: oh that would be horrible poor yeah that would be not good i like mace tyrell
1: he's such a bumbling goofball no, he doesn't deserve straight his straight fate
0: butthead was what i was gonna go with but how did
1: he produce beautiful children like he did i don't, I don't know i don't get it
0: we haven't met his wife
1: well she must be a real stunner to it, produce Morris and he may have been a
0: looker back in the
1: day yeah he must have been he must have been yeah
0: must have been all right let's wrap this thing up uh there was so much to talk about here with this feedback show let us end with a voicemail from our philly uh the prolific our philly um and it addressed is the fact that there's just so much to wrap up. Antonio, there's just too much to do. What's us hear
2: right, let's, from do it. let's do it. Hey, what up, Josh and Antonio? This is Rich Filiberto, otherwise known as R. Philly in the elusive Eighth Kingdom of the Interwebs. So we have so many loose threads waiting to be unraveled this season. You have Brienne and Podrick, who know that is alive. You have Littlefinger and the Boltons, obviously know where Sansa is. Lancel Lannister knows that Cersei loves incest, and she conspired with him to commit regicide. So my question is, can we expect these things to bear fruit by the end of the season, or are they going to play out like that which we do not speak of your secretive trip to upstate new york where they will go to the grave with their secret keepers thank you guys so much have a good one.
0: <laughs> oh god oh god uh can we uh let's take that back let's um let's what, let's what are you talking i now.
1: didn't i didn't even hear a voicemail uh,
0: did one play our philly did selling one play us, selling us out so i never out. heard i
1: never heard selling this, us
0: out i heard a, i heard
1: First of all, I'm happy to hear from our Philly. This is the the elusive Eighth Kingdom. I think that's the elusive our Philly. So nice to put a voice to the name. I will say that uh, sometimes our Philly, things don't always go as we want them to go. Josh was just talking about instant gratification. Sometimes there's delayed gratification and, and sometimes things do go to the grave with their secret keepers, especially when their secret keepers don't have big mouths like some of us do. Right, Josh? Right. Right, you, you
0: okay there, buddy? Nope. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm great. I'm fine. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I just uh, there might be uh, there might be.
0: <sighs> uh, it's all right. What's wrong? Nothing. No. All good. All good. Uh, back to the point.
1: I, I'm I'm a little worried about you, no, Josh. No, no, Do no. I need to send somebody to check on you? No.
0: No. 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 no I'm good. I'll Status be check. Welfare I'll check. I'll be fine. I will be great. Um, sure, I I, I, think, I got I have some friends in
1: New York. I can send.
0: I think. I think first off, no, don't worry about that. I'm okay. Um, secondly, I think that a lot of these threads are going to be dangling that's just how this show goes uh, we've had danny I can't believe you said danny 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 hasn't been to westeros this entire time um, you know if we've gone so long if we've gone five seasons without that kind of gratification i think that's just the way this show goes but i think certain things will pay off this season I think that yeah. there, there are there are a lot of stories that I do think we will get resolution on in some way, shape, or form this season. I don't think that this is going to be a season that disappoints us in terms of having no conclusive endings to any of these characters. Um, I think that we will we will get some of these storylines tied up in neat little packages, and I think some of them will have to yeah, wait. If you said tied up in neat little packages, right, I'm the, try, the, I'm try, it's hard. It's on it's front of mind right now. The thing is, and I, and
1: I'll say this: there are certain stories just from a, a pure Or take a step back and analyze it from a pure narrative perspective. Certain stories you cannot pump the brakes on. You can pump the brakes on Danny and show her trying to learn how to be a ruler before she turns around and tries to conquer and rule again. That makes sense a little bit to pump the brakes on. Even though it's frustrating, there there is some natural brake pumping in that storyline. You can't as easily pump the brakes on making Lancel Lannister into a crazy religious fanatic nut job who is willing to commit violence uh, to pursue his goals. You You can't put what he knows in his head and introduce that he's willing to talk about that with Cersei at the beginning of the season and put him on a downward spiral where he's being militarized or where he's being armed and he's being put in a situation where he's going crazy literally. And expect that to just be pumped The brakes to be pumped It's not going to happen Like something big is coming from that And I would expect that's happening soon uh, Rather than later Maybe it's going to be that Lancel dies I mean maybe that's going to be what happens But that's just not one you can easily pump the brakes on So I think some of these threads tie themselves up Because they're shorter uh, And because they're naturally not going to last as long Uh, And some of them dangle uh, And they do last forever And they do take a long time And Danny to Westeros is a perfect example That's sort of been the stated goal of the Targaryen brother and sister since the beginning of season one yeah, and the very watching first scenes, plot around in Marine. so like it's going to happen that we're going to spend some more time with that because a large part of her character's story is about growing up and learning how to be a leader at least it seems like uh, and contrast that to Viserys who just wanted to go back and immediately got crowned for that uh, and Danny is willing to take the time to learn and to try to be different and, and experience some growing pains and bumps along the way so it makes sense that that storyline hasn't paid off yet
0: Maybe. Maybe. What what do you think makes better sense? Jeff? No, I don't know. I don't know that anything else makes better sense. I, I think that I think the point is, I think a lot of this stuff will get resolved. I think some of the stuff will be left dangling like in upstate New York. Uh, and I think that we are going to have. What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, okay. Uh, I think, I think we'll have some great stuff. I think we'll have some great stuff. I think the season is in a really interesting spot. I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of things that are kind of crazy. Uh, there's a lot of things that are, are shaking the faith of certain people who know this story better from the books than they do from the show. Um, for my money, I'm really fascinated with a lot of the changes that they're making. I'm really excited about the unpredictability of it. I really don't know where it's going. Um, in, in many cases, in some cases, I feel like I've got a good idea. Um, but I think think that it's 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 an interesting spot we're in an interesting spot for sure uh, and I think we're at the end spot of the Game of Thrones feedback show all right all right Antonio this was awesome Always a pleasure. Josh, thank you for having me. Of course, man. Uh, I'm we, so happy. We will we will have... About most of it. Yeah, most of it. Not all of it. But we will we will have you back on, on some Game of Thrones coverage in the very near future, for sure. Um, in the meanwhile, we can find you on Twitter, at AC mazzaro 2 zs um, I'm at... Yeah, round who Howard. do I have to kill to get like on this Howard podcast again? Uh, I don't know. Don't kill anybody. Alright. You're, uh, you're, you're at Round Howard? I'm at Round Howard. Um, what about a hashtag? I was thinking Biodorn. I like
1: Biodorn. That's
0: fantastic. Hashtag Biodorn is good. All right, everybody, we will be back. We're going to have a Game of Thrones book club later this week. We will be back on Sunday night talking about episode five of season five of Game of Thrones. And then, of course, we'll be back next week with another feedback show. You guys sent in great questions this week. Make sure to do it again next time. Again, that's postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or GOT at postshowrecaps.com slash no slash. That's it. That was the one. GOT at
1: postshowrecaps.com.
0: Yeah, that's it. That makes sense. Uh, don't slash me. All right, guys. Just like a
1: like a bad version of Guns and Roses. No
0: slash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that does suck. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back very soon. And take care, everyone. And bye, Antonio. Bye.